baseball i'm sean and i'm eds and we're doing baseball we're bringing you some baseball history that's right we're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story catcher does not know what the story pitcher Ooh. is going to be telling them wow almost 60 episodes in and you're, you're still amazing me ryan edwards well, i know i was listening to an old episode the other day and i was like why do we not have some kind of play on for uh you know the battery. You know. Yeah, the battery. So today I'm I'm pitching. I got quite a story. Uh, I'm excited, Edzie, to share this story with you. But I'm a little bit worried. Why? Because I think I think you will have heard of this person before. Okay. But, but I'm just saying. I'm just oh, saying. Maybe. Maybe I'm going to be very excited if you don't know this person right off the start. Would I be embarrassed if I didn't know this person? No, no, let's just say that this is a person that's, that's, let's just say famous for not baseball. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. For this podcast, that makes no sense. No, No, there's, baseball is is hugely integral to this whole story, as you'll find out in the coming 45 minutes or whatever. But no, I just, I just think if there's anyone I know that... When I said, oh, this person, I didn't know who that was, you'd be the one that's like, what? Of course. Oh, okay. So, that's, that's all some, I'm saying. Those are some big shoes that you're giving me to fill right <laughs> We're going to find hobby. out right away. I'm just going to say his name in like Hold 10 on. seconds. Don't say it in no, 10 I seconds. Know, not say yet. it in a few seconds. All right. before, first, we tell the people to follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball. Follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball. And on Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. And on Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. And of course, thank you for listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to us on Podbean. Give us a review, a rating. We would appreciate it very much. And again, thank Thanks for listening. 100%. Yeah. Okay. You can say the name now. Ready? Can I wind up? Or should sure. I go from the stretch? <laughs> wind it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Charlie Frank Pride was born on March 18th, 1934. I know who Charlie Pride is. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> you know who Charlie Pride is. Don't give it away for all I the won't. listeners who don't. Uh, but I knew you'd know who Charlie Pride is. So he was born uh, March 18th, 1934 in Sledge, Mississippi to Mac and Tessie Pride. Mac and Tessie Pride. Yes. Great names. Yes. Well, actually, Charlie wasn't actually his name. No. His parents intended to name him Charles Frank Pride. Charles? Yeah. So like ba- singular? Like C-H-A-R-L. Like just basically Charlie without the Lee. That's, I've never heard of that before. Is that common? No. Did you look that up? No. You um, should have. I, well, I failed you. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm not even... I'm literally in sentence two. <laughs> literally in sentence two. All right. <laughs> this is how this is going to go? Um, so it was a clerical error because obviously Charles is not a common name Okay. enough, but it could be a little bit of racism in there. He was a black family in the South. Uh, so on his birth certificate, his name was legally Charlie Frank Pride. Okay, so you're saying that his parents wanted to name him Charles, but... They, they did. Right, but the bookkeepers down at, at the... They well, were, I guess bookkeeper's not really the right word. That's yeah, a whoever it was person, was but, like, oh, they meant to say Charlie. Okay, they just assumed. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's what I was getting to. So according to Pride's biography... He would, his dad would sternly tell his son, I named you Charles. That's your name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They argued about this for some reason? I'm assuming when he was growing up, he was like, I am Charlie. It says right here on this card, my name's (laughs) Charlie, dad. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's amazing his dad even gave him that much attention because he was the fourth eldest of eight boys and three girls. So 11 kids. 11 kids, wow. Uh, His parents picked cotton as sharecroppers. And as you could probably guess, the Pride family didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, They lived in what was called a shotgun shack uh, along the Mississippi Delta. 
Uh, and the children would sleep three to four to a bed, alternating head to toe. Is that what a shotgun shack means? Like it's it's little? Yeah, it's small. So a shotgun shack, I looked it up. It was It's like a basically a small dwelling that has three rooms. Mm-hmm. So kitchen, living room, bedroom. Okay. That's it. And everyone just crashes in the same bedroom. A hundred percent. Okay. Well, your parents are getting down, making you the 11th little... <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so <laughs> they're... Because you can't stop. Oh, well, you can't stop. <laughs> People have needs, Ryan. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, the children slept in the room. Oh, my God. So the father uh, was pretty emotionally distant, never giving much praise or sentiment. And running the house his way. He was also a deacon in the church and stuff. So He was the he, boss. He was the boss. They were a poor family, but it sounded like they were really hard workers. And, uh, you know, just his dad tried to raise them the best he could, even though he was kind of a dick about it. Right. Um, so his mother, on the other hand, was very sweet and encouraging. Growing up in the South, the Pride family no doubt were exposed and had to endure endless racism. Pride spoke in his later years of growing up in the South and being in school, reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. He said uh, he'd get to the part about liberty and justice for all and then look out the window and see that it wasn't so. So Stare forlornly out the window? Yeah, even as a young kid, he was like, yeah, no. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Um, Pride's mom would instill these words into her young son's mind. And this is a longer quote. I, I got this from a documentary that you know, and I think it's pulled from his his biography. But basically, mm-hmm. you've got a lot uh, you're going to have to do, and you can't do it carrying a lot of resentment with you. So, those lyrics? No, those are just from his mom. Oh, okay. But yeah, that does sound almost <laughs> lyrical. Yeah. <laughs> so Charlie grew up working in the fields along with his father and brothers. And dreamt of doing anything but picking cotton. but As you would. As you would. I think he went to school until, you know, maybe he was a teenager. But, mm-hmm. you know, then you just started working on the farm. Okay. Um, one luxury the family seemed to have was a radio. His father would tune into the Grand Old Opry on the family's Philco radio. And Charlie fell in love with the music and was regaled by the singing and guitar playing of Roy Ackoff, Ernest Tubb, and Hank Williams. Nice. Uh, so those of you who don't know, the Grand Old Opry's from Memphis, and it's a you know a radio show that was founded back in November 28th, 1925, and still going on to this day. It's the first radio show. Uh, that's an exaggeration. But. No, 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 yeah, but it, it was like the big, it was like a big country music showcase. Right. The Grand Old right. Opry. Okay. Yeah. Right. So this is what his dad would tune into because mm-hmm. his dad's in charge of the radio. Right. And this is what the music, at least, he fell in love with. So and he bought his first guitar at age 14. He literally learned to play the guitar just by listening to the Grand Ole Opry and kind of Playing strumming along, along yeah. with, with all the, the country music That's folk. Talent. Yeah. Um, so some of his siblings would make fun of him for playing a white man's music, but Charlie just loved it. He became quite the musician, uh, but at the same time, he developed into quite the baseball player, too. Really? Yes. So, honestly, Pride didn't see any future in, in music for him. Charlie saw baseball as an escape from his life and a way to change his fortunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I quote... When I saw Jackie Robinson go to the major leagues, I said, there's my way out of the cotton field. So, so it was as inspirational as a... Yeah, and I think... so. They so, hoped it would be, I guess. Yeah, so Pride was born in 34, so Robinson's breaking through you know, when he's about 13 years old. So it's like perfect time for, for mm. a kid to you know, see that and say, yeah. well, screw this life. Like I'm going to go yeah. do... What we'll focus on this do. game and and get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So along with his older brothers, Mac and Ed, the boys would practice and hone their skills. Their father was a deacon, as I mentioned, and he'd punish the boys if they got caught playing baseball on a Sunday. But the boys would still play in the baseball behind my back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up, actually. Um, so the boys would still sneak out and go play baseball, and he would almost always catch them. 
and and I quote, whoop them later with a leather strap. Well, at least it wasn't with the bat. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not that it's any better. I'm not defending <laughs> it. Is... Yeah, a little bit better. It's 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 still child abuse, but you know, better. <laughs> <laughs> He's a church going man. It's the it's the hand of God, you know, putting putting some discipline into these kids. They can't even can't even mess around on the Sabbath. That's enough of that. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, Charlie had a heck of an arm and wanted to be the best. Quote. Mm-hmm. When they ask who hit the most home runs, I don't want the answer to be Babe Ruth. I want it to be Charlie Pride. When they asked who was the last ball player to hit 400, I don't want the answer to be Ted Williams. I want the answer to be Charlie Pride. That's what Ed, Charlie said his mindset was. I admire his ambition. Yeah. So in the spring of 1952, Charlie, with little experience at all other than playing on the Sandlots and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, was tried out for the Memphis Red Sox of the Negro American League. Okay, so he's like 18? Yeah, he's 18. Okay. Uh, weird part about this, somewhere I write it in there. Uh, actually, I'll just I'll just wait to get to that because he's 18. Yeah, he is, but he's lying. Uh, okay. <laughs> he, did, he did not make the team, but he did make a strong impression. Uh, he instead joined the all-black team in uh, the Iowa State League called the Wall Lake Popcorn Colonels. That's an awesome name. Yeah, Wall Lake Popcorn Colonels of the Iowa State League. Is that still around? I doubt it. I didn't. They really... should bring that back. Yeah, yeah. It should be a theme night. <laughs> so. The year, actually, I answered that question. Uh, The year in Iowa would end prematurely as Pride was cut and the team disbanded. There we go. Pride said uh, they would sometimes go without pay, especially when it rained and games were canceled. Uh, (laughs) So they'd go without pay. And for the guys, they were so poor, they said they would go without food when the game was rained out because they wouldn't get their cut of the gate. Oh, uh, Pride said he resorted to awful. eating weeds and roots on like the roadside to fill his stomach. Be like pulling over and picking Queen Queen's Anne's lace yeah. and having forest carrots. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. A, they were like pulled over they a bus. Pull, yeah, they have to forage. Yeah. A, oh. So I mean, you're gonna see with Pride, like you know who he is, I guess, but like just how he got to be who he is is pretty fucking spectacular mm-hmm. well i'm amazed already that he's yeah. like not eating because it rained and he's like all right well let's pull over and get some fiddleheads out of the forest i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah still it was better than the cotton field and pride continued to chase his dream he returned to memphis and the memphis red Sox, and this time his dream came true so I think he comes back. It's really hard to find these statistics and stuff like that. But basically, my recollection or my recollection—I wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, my, my reading of the story from a few different sources is—is is he he this team disbands it. He comes back and and he gets a shot with the Red Sox later that year, even though he didn't make it from the beginning of the year. Well, you said he made a good impression. So. Yeah, yeah. So uh, from what I can find, he didn't make a huge impact right away, but stood out to his teammates because of his musical talent. Oh, okay. And they're like, well, he's pretty good at guitar. We'll bring him. It's like, he's got, he's, does he have a car? Yeah. So <laughs> I should also say, because I, I honestly, I, I, I'm not sure I read through this before, but I'm like, do I say? So he's a pitcher and an outfielder. Okay. Like pitcher right field. That's kind of what he does. He hits well. As you say, he wants home runs, but but you'll see. He gets a bit he's, more known for being a pitcher than anything else. Um, so... He would sit on the back of the team bus during the long drives and serenade his teammate, all his teammates and coaches with his wholesome country voice. He was just 18 years old, but for some reason he claimed to be 15. 15? Yeah. Okay, I thought you I said guess he 50. Was, no, no. <laughs> I'm 50. I'm 50. <laughs> Son, I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, just, I'm in great shape. <laughs> I didn't like my voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so right, we're in the we're in the we're in the mid fifties or so, um, and this is not a great time for the Negro leagues as talent was being poached left, right, and center for mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. Right, right. so once right. Jackie Robinson and Minnie Minoso and and you know all the guys, all of a sudden the floodgates are the open. floodgates open and. You know, the Negro Leagues become kind of a tier two league, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, there's still a lot of talent and major league talent in the Negro Leagues. It's just not as abundant as it once was. Yeah. Um, so Pride was no fee 
no phenom. His young stride, uh, but his young strong arm and big curveball brought attention to him from the big leagues. Okay. So 1953 season, Pride is one of those guys that gets eaten up by the major league system. Mm-hmm. New York Yankees signed Pride. I was 19- just going to say, did he go to the Yankees? Because yes. Mickey Mantle is a huge country music fan. Country music? <laughs> That's true. I guess we'll give it away. <laughs> but well, you said he was playing country music oh, on guess, the bus. Who knows? Maybe he becomes an astronaut, Ryan. I keep calling you Ryan I know, today. it's weird. It's weird, Edzie. Anyways. <laughs> That's just my name, of, everybody. <laughs> just one of those days I just feel like addressing you by your first name. Um, so, so he's signed by the Yankees in 1953 at 19 years old. He's given $300 for someone who grew up in a three-room shack and had been eating shrubs by the roadside a few months earlier. This was a huge break. Huge, yeah. Pride said you could pick cotton all season and not make that much money. He was definitely right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pride was sent to the Class C League in Boise, Idaho. He was raw and said he probably overworked his arm, throwing too hard and too early in his routine. Uh, He was soon demoted to Class D Wisconsin League at Fond du Lac. Uh, He was hammered by the hitters in Wisconsin and was given a train ticket back to Memphis where he rejoined the Memphis Red Sox. All right. So that so didn't that go didn't well. work out very good. No, it did not. And Mickey Mantle was like, his song sucks. Send him <laughs> back. <laughs> well, at this point, he's, he's just on the back of the bus singing away, still dreaming about being a pitcher or a home run hitter. So in 1954, Memphis manager Goose Curry took pride at Jesse Mitchell with him as he tried to start a new team, the Louisville Clippers in Kentucky. Unfortunately for everybody, the new team had no money, and when the team bus broke down, the Clippers had no way of getting to games to make money. <laughs> Stranded? Yes. So a decision had to be made. Pride and Mitchell were traded to Birmingham, the Birmingham Black Barons for cash so Curry could buy the team a new bus. <laughs> Jesus. Times are tough. Times are tough. So Pride would joke about it being, <laughs> being him and Mitchell being the only... Being the only baseball traders players ever traded for a used bus. That's like it's not even a joke. Yeah, you they can were tell. traded for the bus. Yeah, it's just we needed a bus and uh, <laughs> they needed some players. Yeah. So he's on the <laughs> Birmingham Black Barons now uh, because okay. <laughs> the Louisville Clippers needed a bus. <laughs> right. Uh, he was outfield and pitcher, I do mention it. And his career was not going as he had hoped. He's 20 years old now. He's already washed out of the Yankees system. Uh, but he's got a lot of tenacity and he keeps, uh, keeps, keeps pushing his dream. But other things are getting in the way. He gets released from Birmingham. Not because of poor play, but because of his talent off the field. The daughter of Black Baron's owner, William Sue Bridgeforth, Gail Jordan, would later say about her dad releasing Pride. He had to release Charlie from the team, not because of his playing ability, but because he kept everybody up all night on those long bus rides with his singing. Players were always too tired to play the next day. <laughs> so you'd just be singing in his hotel room, I guess? Or on the bus. Yeah, and everyone would right. be like, yeah, shut up, travel. Charlie! <laughs> shut up, Charles. My name's Charles. <laughs> I don't like I don't know how much truth there is to that, whether that's just a joke that but you know. <laughs> he gets released. Clearly he wasn't good enough that he could just karaoke all night on the bus and right, get he was away no with Phil Linz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So Pride is not giving up at this point. He okay. heads southwest to El Paso of the Arizona-Texas League. He must have sung too many songs there as well because he's cut, and he ends up with Nogales Yaqui uh, of the Arizona-Mexico League. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the early disappointment in his career, things began to look up as Pride once again returned to the Memphis Red Sox. Again? Yeah. Like, let's take another chance on Charlie. Yeah, he's a good guy. You know, his songs aren't that bad. They're not that bad. Um, Pride Probably getting better by this point. <laughs> Pride hit for average in power, and his arm was as powerful as ever. Okay. This He's been strumming a lot. Yeah, he's, he's made it <laughs> until he got hurt. Oh, no. So apparently, according to, to Pride, that you know there, there was there was some 
major league interest again around this time. Mm-hmm. But when the major league scouts saw his arm go, uh, he pride says, I didn't see them at the park no more. So <laughs> I guess you wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, so things looked really bleak, uh, but Charlie was crafty and tenacious. Okay. What do you do when your arm gets hurt? You switch arms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome. No. Okay. Charlie Pride developed a knuckleball. Oh. Right. That's the other thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he came back in 1956 with the Memphis Red Sox. Uh, he was an all-star that year, and he won 14 games and hit for average and power. He was just fucking Shohei Otani of the league. Nice one, with a knuckleball. Charlie. Yeah. So, back when you were... So, he's all- doing both, so he's still hitting. Yeah, he's still playing hitting. a little he's okay. playing a little outfield and, okay. and pitching. Okay. Um, so, he's an all-star in 56, and that meant, like, a big stage. So, Pride toured the South with the all-star team. So, I believe what it was was the, the Negro League all-star team would tour in the offseason with a team of major leaguers, other black major leaguers, played, or that was put together by Willie Mays. Mm. So it was like a showcase. Right. So it was like the Negro League All-Stars versus, you know, the black major league All-Stars. Right. Uh, and guess how that went. Wait, so the the MLB team was put together by Willie Mays? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I'm going to guess that the MLB team mopped the floor with them. Oh, they fucking <laughs> shit kicked them all over the West. <laughs> yeah, okay. Or the, all over the South and the West. Right. <laughs> because the, uh, that's where most of these, because it's wintertime. Right. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> the, the All-Stars lost 16 straight games to the major oh, league. No. <laughs> that is brutal. But because baseball, of course... The All-Stars eventually got a win with Pride and his knuckleball locking it down with four scoreless innings to end the game in Victoria, Texas. The game was 29 to 23. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't. I think it was. Yeah, what did I say? Did I say? I think it was like a three-one game or something like that. But anyways, Pride comes in in the in the top of the six and mm-hmm. finishes it off goes all the way to the end so i think he even got the save or something uh so it was most certainly a high point in pride's career um and pride would boast hank aaron never got a hit off me during that whole tour <laughs> hey that's that's something to say that's man. something to say you know? Hank Aaron never got a hit off me either. (laughs) Did you ever pitch to Hank Aaron? Well, you don't know that. I don't have to say that. (laughs) Oh, man, I just thought of something terribly morbid that would get us. (laughs) We're going to cut this We're going to cut this (laughs) I just picture you pitching to, like, Hank Aaron's grave, being like, struck you. Sorry. I'm sorry, Milwaukee and Atlanta. Um, Okay, 2250. (laughs) Okay. So, stop it. Pride never, yeah, I don't know if he struck Hank Aaron out, but he didn't get a hit off him. (laughs) It's like four line drives. (laughs) No. Uh, So, this is literally probably the peak of, of Pride's playing career, but it's. Far from the end of Pride's playing career, though. Uh, His life off the field took a step forward in 1956 as well, as he met his wife, Rosine Coran. Coran? Coran. I'm going to say Coran. She was a waitress that worked by the the ballpark uh, when Pride started courting her. Rosine, unlike Pride, had finished school, went to college, and even cosmetology school. Uh, she was a bright girl from a good family, and most importantly, she followed baseball. Mm-hmm. Pride said... So she knew who Charlie was? Uh, well, kind of, but <laughs> she was at least impressed by him. Probably not. Uh, she, <laughs> Pride said she was smart, beautiful, independent, and could explain the infield fly rule. What else could a guy want? Nothing else, apparently. There you go. Charlie. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Pride wrote that in his autobiography. <clears throat> At first, she didn't talk to Charlie, but Charlie bought an Amos Brothers record and purposely left it at a restaurant so he would have an excuse to call the place and come back and get it. Mm, the old leave behind, the, the old, old Costanza. Yeah, yeah. And once again, this is hinting at the future, leaving behind the Ames Brothers record and stuff mm. like that. Uh, the two would be together for nearly 65 years, having a son and a daughter. Uh, life was coming up roses for Charlie Pride. 
But in November of 1956, he got a letter in the mail that changed everything. So he is an all-star. He's just toured the South, getting Hank Aaron out. And then Charlie Pride is drafted. Okay, what year was it? 956? 56. So it's not, it's not like a, it's, there's, there's not really a, a hot war going yeah, on yeah. at the time, let's just say. But, the, you know, so he's drafted. He still has got to report for duty. Uh, he reported for basic training. After basic training, he returned home for Christmas leave and married Rosine on December 28th. Pride would end up at Fort Calls. Carson, Colorado, for pretty much most of his deployment. He didn't go out of country. Mm -hmm. uh, he helped the Fort Carson baseball team win the All-Army Sports Championship, as well as sang at the local officers club. Nice. Pride was discharged from service after 14 months, and by this point, Charlie and Rosine had their, had their son named Craig. Uh, Pride returned to Memphis and had a good season with his old knuckleball. Mm -hmm. So he's been away for, for over a season and comes back. Uh, he was once again an all-star, but now he was playing for more than himself. He wanted to raise, and, and when it wasn't awarded, he decided to sit out the 1959 season, choosing to work at a lumber company instead. Oh, so he's striking. Yeah. Sort of. But. I mean, the Negro Leagues are really in their death Nah, rattles okay. at this yeah, point I so see. you know he's just probably kind of like this will be better anyway well this he's got to make money pay me. yeah exactly yeah. this pays <laughs> so negro leagues were all but broke at this point i just said and mm -hmm. pride had a young family he still had uh the dream to pitch in the show and in the winter of 1960 pride responded to an ad in the sporting news inviting players to try out for the Missoula Timberjacks of the Class C Pioneer League in Missoula, Montana. Pride got into baseball shape, borrowed $400, 200 of which he left with Rosine, packed up and headed for Montana. But his dream of being a big leader was just not in the cards for Charlie Pride. After three starts with the Timberjacks, Pride was released. His coach helped him get a job at a local smelting factory that had a company-run semi-pro team. The East Helena Smelterites. <laughs> they won the oh. championship with pride that year. Their jerseys probably smelled awful. Yeah. <laughs> Smelter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's 1960. He washes out of another semi-pro league, mm -hmm. and now he's working for a smelter and, and playing there. Uh, after games, the team would go out for a drink. Pride was always encouraged to pick up a guitar and sing. Soon his voice was getting noticed as much as his baseball skills. His landlady hears Pride singing and playing guitar and gets him his first gig ever at a nightclub in Helena, Montana. Nice. I was going to say, like he, he has to have been getting better over all this time. Oh, apparently. And obviously he has been. Yeah. So Charlie played uh, the main tavern, making about $20 a day. And soon, Charlie was getting calls to play more and more clubs around Montana. Okay. Pride was still relentless uh, with his baseball career, though. Like, he's not he's giving still hell he is, He's like, I'm going to fucking yeah. play baseball. So he's playing for this, like, smelterites team. Right. And he cuts out articles from the local papers highlighting his play. And is mailing it to GMs and managers all, oh, yeah. all over Major League Baseball. Huh? Uh, so he lands a tryout with uh, the newly formed California Angels. No, okay, uh, in the PCL? He, well, yeah, yeah. In the PCL? No, I think this is when they started their, their major league. Uh, what year was it? 61. Oh, okay, yeah, it was major yeah. league. So. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but he was cut two weeks uh, into spring training. So oh, 61. Okay. He goes He goes out. Another not fared so well. Okay. Yeah. So Charlie said he was nervous and wanted to look so good that he pressed. And we all know what happens when you press in baseball. Uh, Pride approached owner Gene Autry at his hotel and begged him for a chance to stay in the camp. It did not. It didn't it, work. It didn't work out? Did not work out. I feel like that me something else happened at that meeting perhaps, though. Maybe. Okay. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Anyways, Brad returned to his new home in Montana, 
Uh, at this point, his, I believe his wife and kid have joined him up in Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just working for the Smelterites, winning semi-pro Montana championships. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a black man living in Montana in the early 1960s. It's the least populated for black people. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's an interesting place to be for sure. Um, so pride looked to have secured another major league tryout with the Mets in 1962. Another one. Everyone keeps giving him a chance at least. Yeah. But he breaks his ankle at the smeltery or whatever, uh, and wasn't able to do it. He would try again in 1963. Jesus. Now, if you don't know, the 1962 Mets probably could have used Charlie Pride and his knuckleball. Yeah, they were awful. They right? were 40, like... 120, right. and 1. Oh, Somehow there was a tie. <laughs> but... They were like, just don't let them lose this one. It was... <laughs> we can't lose 121 games. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they were really bad. So, Pride... Is like, well, surely the Mets. <laughs> I mean, it's sound logic. It's, and they offered it to me last year. They were garbage. Like, there's no way. Um, but he's not getting a response from the Mets. They're <laughs> like, no, we couldn't be worse. No, no. So <laughs> he just decides to be Charlie Pride. And he gets some Louisville Slugger bats made up in his name and mails the bats to Mets Big League Camp down in Florida. That is genius. So it's like the bats arrive. They're like, who's these bats? Oh, Charlie Pratt. I guess he's going to be coming for spring training because everybody's sending their equipment. You know. So smart. (laughs) Is it though? Is it though? Well, I guess it's a waste of money. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, I guess it would be smart if it works out, but I know it doesn't. So (laughs) yeah, he, in his mind, he's like, well, now they know I'm coming for sure. It's very like Willie Mays Hayes, Major League. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my God. No. Bought myself 50 batting gloves. (laughs) Yeah. These shoes have rockets on them. <laughs> Anyways, so he made the long bus trip, remember, from Flo- from Montana to Florida for spring training. Like almost the furthest you could travel. Almost. Um, so he arrived at the team hotel at 4 a.m., but Pride's name was not on the list of players so the person's like we are did all t- full did he tell them his bats were there <laughs> no 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 my bats are there i checked the bat list <laughs> you'll see my bat my name's on the bat list so i should be on the hotel list <laughs> um so, luckily for him uh there was an acquaintance from the negro leagues sammy drake uh old teammate or friend or something mm-hmm. uh so <laughs> Pride convinces the hotel clerk to give him uh, Sammy Drake's room number, and Pride knocks on the door, and right. it's 4 a.m., and he's like, what it's the like, fuck? hey, Sammy, it's me, <laughs> Charles. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so, yeah, he shows up at 4 a.m., and so, of course, Sammy's nice enough. He lets him come in and sleep for a couple hours, uh, but when the team bus pulled in the next morning... Uh, Casey Stengel and the Mets did not... Um, they didn't let him on the they bus? They did not let him on the bus. <laughs> I feel like Casey Stengel, if anyone was going to let him on the bus, it would have been Casey Stengel. Well, he might... Was Casey Stengel... Can you fly a plane? <laughs> Casey Stengel probably... I mean, it's old white manager, and we got a young black kid that's just showing up. You know, I, know, I don't know if it necessarily... So he tells, Stengel tells Pride, we ain't running no damn tryout camp down here. Even though spring training is technically a damn tryout camp. That's exactly what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about Casey. Well, I mean, like, I guess he means like we're outside the organization, like open tryouts. (laughs) But uh, spring training is absolutely a tryout. Again, Uh, did he ask him about the bat list? So if you just look you on just that look, bus, my bags should be there. Ask the equipment manager. <laughs> He'll tell you. Charl Pride right there. <laughs> okay. Um, so this was the point of like brokenness for Charlie. So it's whatever it is. It's nineteen. Not being led on the Mets bus after yeah, the bus. Yeah, one hundred and twenty games. Okay. Yeah. So he's like almost. He's also like almost thirty at this point, right? right? Like he's right. in his late twenties. Uh, so there was many things that Charlie Pride would be, but a baseball player 
or an MLB baseball player, he would not. <sighs> baseball is what got pride out of the cotton fields and out of the deeply segregated South. But Charlie Pride's destiny was on the stage, not on the diamond. Mm-hmm. <gasps> mm-hmm. All right. So if you haven't figured it out already, uh, <laughs> Charlie Pride was gaining an audience with his country music. Uh, it, Basically, he had basically he had a sweet baritone country voice, and the shows began to get bigger and bigger. Charlie had opened for Merle Haggard, and in 1962, the DJ in Montana, the DJ, I love that. It's Let's have the, the DJ. DJ. In there's, so there's, there's just one. one. <laughs> Tiny Stokes uh, is the <laughs> DJ. Uh, so Stokes arranged for an audition with, with, for Red Foley and Red Sovine. Oh, uh, Red Sovine. Yes, so the Reds were impressed with Pride's talent. Unfortunately for Charlie, it wasn't the Cincinnati Reds. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Yes, but these Reds were big country music producers and musicians from Nashville. Mm -hmm. So they were rolling through Montana. Tiny Stokes was like, hey, you got to hear this guy sing. Got to hear old Charlie sing. So they're so impressed, they invite him onto stage. Really? At their show. Wow. Once again, black musician, these are white musicians from the South. Mm-hmm. This is Montana in like 1962. So he's breaking, he's breaking some barriers. Breaking here. some barriers and stuff like that. That's how talented and just awesome of a person he is. Uh, Montana is definitely a strange place for a black country music star to rise to fame in the early 1960s, but that's exactly what happened to Charlie Pride. Pride said of Montana, he hated the cold, but loved the people. So, mm-hmm. honestly, it's like kind of, I, I feel like maybe Montana just had that kind of like country well, vibe without the like deep segregation. Like if you want, <laughs> if you want like cowboy scenery, oh, you yeah. go to Montana. Man. Oh, 100%. Um, so when, when Pride was cut the following year from Mets camp in Florida, uh, the team bought him a ticket home, but Pride requested his bus stop in Nashville. So he's just been ruined by Casey Stanley. I would like to change to a horse and carriage in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's but yeah, he switched out his ball cap for for a cowboy hat, for a ten gallon hat, and he's being just as tenacious as he was with baseball teams. Well, why wouldn't he be? Well, exactly. Pride was desperate and decided to just take a shot. Just like he'd been doing all year, all those years on the ball field, he hoped that the Reds had spread word of his talent and went looking for folks in the country music industry. Mm-hmm. So, to slow things down and put this into historical context, um, Pride was a black man singing country music in the middle of the civil rights struggle, and he's walking into Tennessee. And yeah. just like hi, I mean like hi, listen to me sing. Yeah, so here's it's an angel. Good morning. This, yeah, oh, thank you. This is <laughs> this like here's this is the equivalent to Vanilla Ice walking down the streets <laughs> during the L.A. riots and trying to rap for people. Right. <laughs> like yeah. this is yeah. this is not it's that hostile. That is not you know that's the kind of thing that that is how tenacious that's how wildly just I don't I, it's it's. I feel like I feel like Charlie Pride deserves more credit oh. than Vanilla Ice, even well, though that didn't happen. No, I was yeah. just thinking metaphorically. <laughs> right. Right. Yo, Charlie Pride. No, that's what I'm saying. That's how much credit right. you need to give him. Is is in the middle of the civil rights struggle in the middle of the South? He just had the balls to just mm-hmm. feel like do that. I'm a country music singer. Like who the, who the fuck does that? Mm-hmm. Like, anyways, Charlie Pride. Yeah. So he knocks on doors of these 100% white music producers in Nashville, Mm -hmm. trying to sing him a song. Um, He tried his best to get past the front desk with little luck, but Pride ended up running into Webb Pierce, a huge music star of the era. Pride, without a thought in the world, walked up to Webb Pierce and said he had had come to sing him a song. Specifically came to sing you a song, Webb. Wow. So... (laughs) Price was a little taken aback, but after Pride explained himself, Webb made a call to Jack D. Johnson and asked him to record Pride. Okay. Jack Jack D. Johnson's just kind of like a sound engineer guy. He's not really doing too much at this time. He's, he's mm-hmm. kind of trying to find his way. Mm-hmm. Um, when Pride started to sing for Johnson, 
Johnson got super racist and was like, no, 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 no. Sing in your natural voice. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sing in your natural voice. So, yeah, because Charles... Because he couldn't possibly sing sound, the way he sings? He couldn't sound like Hank Williams. He was black. Like, <laughs> Okay. So, Pride told him, no, this is how I sing. This is my natural voice. Yeah. yeah. Which they don't know any different. Yeah, this is yeah. how I learned to sing. Yeah. Like, I was listening to the Grand Old Opry yeah. playing this Fuck music. You. Fuck you. <laughs> so Johnson's a little dismayed, um, but to kind of his credit, I guess, he sat back and recorded, and Charlie blew him away. Johnson offered to manage Charlie. Uh, and had it's like picturing like a semi-racist like white man oh. just confused but oh. still recording. See, <laughs> and I see this is the thing. Like with this, like Charlie Pride, there there's a ton of 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 you know he biographies and and documentaries and stuff. I, I really focused on the baseball start of this, but the country music mm-hmm. part is is wildly good, but much shorter and you'll even see i rounded off with baseball stuff too so if you i definitely uh, the musical side of things i didn't dig nearly as deep as the baseball side of things but johnson essentially i don't necessarily i think he he was more of an opportunist than he was you know not racist right i think he saw the talent and was just like oh my goodness so he He actually drives pride to the bus stop so pride won't knock on any more doors he's like no 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 now you go home to montana and then you go home go back there and and i'll have a contract sent to you that that's what he said okay right so this underhanded yeah so pride ended up uh coming home and uh there was a contract waiting for him well the man of his word anyway i guess he wanted to cash in yeah so pride ends up getting assigned a producer and that producer uh, if you know country music, is big uh, cowboy Jack Clement, who had launched George Jones and Wailing Jennings, as well as worked with you know ridiculous superstars like Johnny Cash and Ray Charles and so, Charlie Pride and Charlie Pride. Pride and Clement teamed up, and they were a fantastic battery. Get it? Oh. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Clement calling the game and Pride executing the songs perfectly, along with some of the best musicians in Nashville. Clement, by all accounts, fought for the underdogs and was excited by Pride's talent and didn't give a damn about the color of his skin. He championed Pride throughout the very white music industry, financing his first demo and using his clout to convince Chet Atkins to sign Pride to RCA. Clement would produce or co-produce Pride's first 13 albums. Wow. Yeah. So to give a little background... Uh, just to give credit where credit's due, black musicians are not completely unheard of in country music. Uh, but let's just say integration hadn't exactly happened by that point, uh, you know, the same way as the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not saying we're even integrated at this point, but, you know, there was some black country artists, but for the mm-hmm. most part, black guys were jazz and blues musicians and, right. you know, white audiences and black audiences were kind of, you know, you didn't, you didn't have a white act following a black act or vice versa right. most yeah. of the time, especially in the South. Um, so Atkins and Clement were taking a big risk with pride, but believed in his talent and tenacity. In 1966, RCA released Pride's first single, and they did not include uh, the bio and photo that was standard at the time. Hmm. Interesting. Why? I yeah. They probably just forgot. Yeah. They probably just forgot. I'm assuming that's probably what happened. Yeah. No. Uh. So here's the thing, though. It sounds super racist. Yeah. It's because it is. It is. But I. I. Here's where I think. And I'm probably wrong, but here's where I think uh, they were probably actually doing something for Charlie. Like, you think they were like worried about like a backlash from that? Oh, so, they like, were just like, oh, if we send out this record with this guy's face, it's just going to get tossed in the dump. Right. Like country DJs are not right. going to play a black country music. Mm-hmm. Like they need to. But they believed in his voice. Yeah, so they were just so like, they were just like, out, yeah, yeah. Here's a record. Ah, it's, his name's Charlie Proud. It's good. Just just play yeah. it. Let the voice do the talking. Exactly. So it, it's super racist. Yeah. That they needed to do that. Right. Right. But it might not have been racist that they did that. Okay. But the need to do that is 
definitely right, racist. Right, right. The whole climate of maybe, the whole situation. Maybe, you know fucked. what? Everyone was probably racist here. <laughs> <laughs> other than Charlie Pride. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, anyways, uh, they were probably correct in that. And, uh, yeah, they were. All right, next, next paragraph. So country radio played Charlie's songs, and they fell in love with his voice. Then were most likely shocked when he began to tour on making radio and TV appearances. Right. <laughs> just, just, I think you can all picture that scene in your head of Charlie Pride showing up to, you know, the Dallas country music station the first time. And everybody's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So Pride put out a few singles uh, before one really struck a chord. Just Between You and Me was, was released uh, in... 1967 uh the song finally brought pride the success on the country music charts the song reached number nine on the hot country songs on february 25th 1967 uh country charlie pride his first album would go on to hit gold and his audience started to started seeing his black face more and more most of whom were surprised to say the least at a show in detroit the crowd went into hush silence when Pride took the stage. <laughs> then, like, <gasps> yeah, exactly. So then he spoke into the microphone and said, "Ladies and gentlemen, I believe it's kind of unique, me coming out here on a country music show wearing this permanent tan." <laughs> so, jeez, oh, he's breaking the ice. Yeah, yeah, he is breaking the ice. Um, I definitely, I realized I like started a paragraph there and I, I didn't really finish it, but I'll get to that <laughs> in a second. So Pride was blazing a trail through country music. Um, no one had seen a black man like this in country music before. Well, at least for a generation. And this is the paragraph I need to finish. In fact, one musician Pride was listening to on the old Opry growing up was in fact D. Ford Bailey a black harmonica virtuoso who was with the Opry from the start, but eventually his race became an issue and helped lead to his dismissal in 1941. Also, the, the Opry had a lot of blackface. Let's just throw it out there. The old, I actually was in Like the live action? Cause yeah, like, the cause live. Because it'd be like on the radio and yeah. it'd be like a theater show that yeah. was broadcast on the radio. Yeah, right? so the old, like the old, old Opry... There was a lot of blackface there. there. I found a book on it, and I was flipping through it. And yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of blackface okay. there. Um, well, so, cool. D. Ford Bailey was the pretty much the only black musician on it at the time. Right. So, once again, like Pride, he was the only white, or sorry, the only blackface in a very white room. And mm-hmm. D. Ford Bailey, you know, had to deal with blackface. Yeah, right out of racism, his, like right yeah. in front of his face. So, almost 30 years later, in 1967, Pride would be nominated for a Grammy uh, for Just Between You and Me, and his career would take off. He would even play the Grand Ole Opry, the show he listened to religiously as a, ti- as a child and had inspired his art. Nice. I bet that was huge. Oh, my God. So as one could guess, and we've talked to about already, it was not easy being the first country black country superstar mm-hmm. pride was not welcome at all clubs and venues some musicians refused to play shows with him or even take the same stage as him so racism fuckers yeah but just like jackie robinson and just like when Wee reese put his arm around robinson in cincinnati willie nelson welcomed charlie pride into the country family giving him a big old smooch right on the lips at the Big D Jamboree in Dallas. And Charlie got a major contact high. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Charlie he Charlie. a couple joints out back. He's a pretty good guy. <laughs> um, this act by Nelson and Pride was a big moment in the history of country music. Uh, I was. I heard this was in 1971. It might have been earlier. There was a few different dates, so I didn't put the dates in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's a quote from uh, from Willie. Uh, who told Parade Magazine, Charlie's been, Charlie's been treated unfairly. They didn't want him to sing there. The owner of the club, who's a real good friend of mine, was a solid redneck, and he didn't want him there. So I kissed Charlie on the mouth. I was just trying to ease the tensions a little bit. 
<laughs> like so Willie takes the arm, the Pee Wee Reese arm around and just cranks it up to 11. Yeah, yeah. You, like, well, honest, Willie. Honestly, like this, this sounds, this is once again, this is probably us looking at it from like, or history looking at it from a white perspective of just like, well, the stage or the, the owners were being mean to him. So Willie Nelson just gave him an unsolicited kiss on the lips and, yeah. you know, made everything That's better. True. Like, it's just like, wait a minute, people were being racist to him and then Willie Nelson just like uh, sexually assaulted him in front of everybody. <laughs> and then everyone was like, oh, yay, yay. Char- oh Charlie's fine. Charlie's now. fine. <laughs> Willie kissed him. <laughs> it's a weird. Yeah, that's true. It would never just yeah. like, it would not be like a switch flipped. It like that. sounds like a really nice story until you really start thinking that's about true. it. Like, was Charlie okay with this kiss? Like, but it did sound like to, to, to credit. And oh my God, there's so much more here, but they're, they're like, Willie really, really helped Charlie get ingrained mm, with get him. over yeah. yeah well like he took him on tour mm. when he was younger like first starting out in Nashville and I think Willie because Willie was like the hippie right and some people didn't like Willie because he was right. a long hair weed smoker or whatever yeah so he kind of related to Charlie and a you know well you're a black guy and I'm a hippie so like mm. you know nobody likes us so yeah we'll team up and I'll kiss you yeah <laughs> But they are great. They were great friends. Um, So, um, yeah, really weird story there. Uh, In 1971, Pride released his biggest hit, as Edzie alluded to. Kiss an Angel, Good Morning. Kiss an Angel, Good Morning. He was Country Music Awards top male vocalist that year uh, and won two Grammys as well. So 1971, he is basically as, as, as big a country star as you can be. If you're winning the country music awards, top male vocalist, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, private moved him and his family to Dallas. And in 1972, the Texas Rangers came along. I should have checked that date. It was 72, right? I think so. I think so. Anyways, uh, we all know the Texas Rangers. Pride became a mainstay at the stadium and was even invited to be a guest player at spring training in 1974. For the Texas Rangers. For the Texas Rangers. Oh, God. Pride is 40 years old in 1974, and he fulfills his childhood dream. He gets a single off none other than Jim fucking Palmer of the Baltimore Orioles in a spring training game. Oh, okay. It's a spring training game. Still. Yeah, that's huge. He's 40. Yeah. So he's still got baseball in him. Like, obviously, he is a massive country music star at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was 72. Yeah, I, I figured. I figured. You weren't correcting me, so I was, yeah. I was just rolling with it. Um, but, yeah, you get you, – you, like, even though you didn't make the big leagues, you got to hand it off Jim Palmer. Mm-hmm. That's pretty sweet. Was that one of his, like, uh, big, like, 20-win years? Probably. 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 I didn't look into Jim Palmer's – you know. Why not? It was just a spring training game. It was a celebrity <laughs> guest. I'm just kidding. Let's All go. right. Carry on. So uh, I'm wrapping up anyways. Pride's music career would span decades, and he would have personal battles with manic depression disorder uh, before seeking medical help in 1989. Good for you, Charlie. Yeah, uh, you, Charlie, Charlie also had an affair and was sued for child support in 1990. Not so cool, Charlie. Not so cool, Charlie. Uh, with a paternity test revealing him to be the father of a young boy. Mm-hmm. So, still though, Rosine stood by uh, at Charlie's side. In all, Pride charted 50 top 10 country songs, including 36 that reached number one. He had 11 gold albums and became RCA's best selling artist, not named Elvis Presley. Wow. Yes. That's quite a feat. Yes. Huh. So, I wouldn't have thought that. And, and really, really, just to sum up, like, well, I'm not done yet, but Pride said to summarize what he had to do to get to that point. And, you know, I'm finishing up 30 years of history here in like two minutes, but he said, I learned to maneuver around a lot of the obstacles that you encounter as a black man to be able to get to where I am today, which basically just is mm-hmm. like euphemistically summing it up so yeah, perfectly. it's just like it in a nutshell. Like, yeah. You know. Just like, I was a black man. I had so many obstacles, but I figured it out. Mm-hmm. In like both <laughs> fronts. Like he was just like <laughs> yeah. tenacious as hell, like going and going and going in his like baseball career until he's like essentially 30. Yeah. All the while like continuing to like hone his skills on like the guitar. Yeah. And like his vocals and everything and like, you know, entertaining. Well, 
you know, possibly entertaining, <laughs> entertaining to a point of annoying his teammates or whatever. But like, you know, and then just, you know, goes hard in the paint to get like a record deal in, well, he kind of like stumbles upon the record deal, but like, but he, he had know. to be, he had to, he had to make it happen for himself. Nobody was going to give him no, no, a contract unless he fucking made them. That's right. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. So he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in the year 2000, which designed itself after Cooperstown, including the bus and bio of the musicians enshrined there. So if you go to really? the Country Music Hall of Fame... They have like Cooperstown yeah. style like yeah. bronze yeah. Uh, bus? It almost looks identical. Really? I saw Charlie Pride's. It, it looks like you could put it in the hall. Where is it? In Nashville? Oh, probably. I don't know where the Country Music <laughs> Hall of Fame is. Well, I was going to say we should go, but obviously you don't want I to. I don't give a shit. I want to go. Okay. I knew, this is how I knew you'd know Charlie Pride. <laughs> so, I'm and, looking it up. I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm still You're going to listen to me. I'm still listening. It's okay. in Nashville. Yeah, of course it is. So in 2020, or sorry, in 2010, uh, Pride became a minority owner in the Texas Rangers as part of a group led by Ray Davis and Bob Simpson. Did he sell it by 2015? No. Oh, I don't like him anymore. Okay. <laughs> he also made it a tradition to offer a private concert for players and team officials at every spring training. Nice. It was easy to do since Pride had a locker and would regularly work out with the team, even though he was in his 70s and 80s. Oh, might as well. Exactly. See, this guy was just he baseball. He owned the team. Well, he owned like a 5% stake. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But this guy is in, he still loves baseball. Yeah. Like, that is why we're doing a Charlie Pride episode. Mm-hmm. He, he, his love for baseball never died. Never like died. I wonder if he has any baseball songs. Yeah. So. Oh. Uh, no, I looked it up. Like, he it's all about love and shit. Like, anyways. Ah. So, a quote from John Blake, who is the Rangers communication manager. Uh, he told Sports Illustrated in 2018, it's one of those rights of spring to see Charlie Pride stretch- stretching in the outfield. So it's just, that's how comedy was. So you set your watch to it. Yeah. Pride performed uh, the national anthem numerous times at Arlington Stadium and the ballpark in Arlington and did it as well. When the Rangers inaugurated their new park, Globe Life Field, which could have been called Stadium Arlington Ballpark, uh, <laughs> on July 25th, 2020, um, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum presented Tra- Pro- Charlie Pride with the Jackie Robinson Lifetime Achievement Award in 2013. Museum President Bob Kendrick said, the award is given for career excellence in the face of adversity. You look at what he did. He's a really good baseball player. Then he fell back into a country music career. We should all have a fallback plan like that. Yeah, it's a pretty good fallback plan, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) So Pride received a Grammy uh, for a Lifetime Achievement in 2017. And Pride was honored with Country Music's Willie Nelson Lifetime Achievement Award in 2020. Unfortunately, kiss. Okay. Okay. So, okay, why are we laughing? That was good. Oh, okay. So, sad. Charlie Pride uh, died in Dallas, Texas, of complications to COVID 19 on December 12th, 2020, at the age of 86. So, nearly one year ago, this coming week or two. Um, I knew he'd passed away. I remember it being in the news, but I, I'd forgotten, I guess, that it was of uh, COVID complications. Yeah, well, okay. he was 86, you know. It's a, well, it's a good run. It's a good run, but, I mean... Could have been longer, I guess. He's yeah. probably pretty healthy. He played baseball. Was he still playing ball? Likely. Well, I mean, he was at Rangers spring training <laughs> every right. fucking spring, so... Right. Uh, so he still is That at- warmed up Pudge. <laughs> I'm sure he did. He probably did. I kissed him. (laughs) Told him that's from Willie. (laughs) So uh, the Rangers honored Pride uh, this past spring training by naming Field 2 at their spring training complex in Surprise, Arizona after him. So it's just like a little backfield, but it's Charlie Pride Field. Charles Pride Field. (laughs) It's Charlie Pride. It's Charlie Pride. So 
That's Charlie Pride. So I just say, if you, there's lots more stories on his music career and all his accomplishments mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to focus mainly on baseball, but I obviously I couldn't tell the Charlie Pride story and just be like, and he became famous as a singer. Bye. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't leave that out. Yeah. He's, uh, no, that's, that's, uh, you're right. I, I knew the person. Yep. As you predicted, but I, I didn't know a fully detailed story of his life. So thanks for, uh, telling me that i kind of i guess if i had a really thought about like the timeline of when he was born and when he grew up and when his career would have happened yeah i guess i would have Did given you... more thought to like you know what kind of barriers he was breaking at the time but yeah that's a that's a great story did you know he played baseball i did know he played baseball yeah see that uh, was what i was worried about i knew that because uh from uh, my friend Bruce. Your friend Bruce. Bruce told me that he was a baseball player, and then I looked that up briefly for a little bit, but I didn't know the whole story, so. Yes. Um, well, yeah, that is, uh, I mean, it's it's an amazing story. I like I liked his music. I was listening to his music while I wrote this. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a lot of, I say, a lot of love stuff. I, I mm. searched his, that's, I probably read that's kind 15. of. I think, I feel like that's what a lot of country music at that time was. Oh, it's I like, know. it's love or I'm wasted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so drunk I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> I was in love, now I'm drunk. That's right. <laughs> so um honestly though, there's a lot of stuff. Like Willie Nelson and him were super friends and I just there's a whole thing that like Willie Nelson seemed to really do a lot of good things, but like really looking at it from the other side, like I I I have no doubt Charlie Pride was great friends with Willie Nelson and <laughs> but was also like you're a weird dude Willie. Well, yeah. Let's mean? just say Willie Nelson had a had a nickname for Charlie Pride that was not not good. Uh. Not a good. Think of Superman, but horrible. I'm not gonna think about it. No, that. don't. No? Anyways, Charlie Pride has defended him. Like, up until his death, Charlie Brown was like, no, Willie Nelson's the greatest dude ever. I don't care what he called me. Right. He called me it lovingly. But it's still right. like... It's still like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Charlie Pride. Kiss an angel, good morning. Yeah. Well, thanks for that story, Sean. That was uh, another... That was a long one. Do you want to get sued by RCA? We could play some music. I guess so. Do you want to? I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, we can always cut this part. Yeah, exactly. But, uh... We'll play this after we tell people to follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And uh, is that it? We'll see you next time. See you next time. I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we were doing the baseball. Okay. Bye. Bye.